If we can just read in Genesis chapter 14, verse 21. Genesis 14 and verse 21. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the souls and take the property for thyself. And then that well-known Psalm 49. Psalm 49 verse 7. None can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him, for the redemption of their soul is costly and must be given up forever. Luke chapter 8 and verse 35. And they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting clothed and sensible at the feet of Jesus. And then one last scripture in Colossians, verse, uh, chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, who has delivered us from the authority of darkness, and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You have, dear friends, a most invaluable possession. It's not your house or your car or anything material, but you have Dear friend, a soul. A soul which is given to you by God himself. It says of, in the scripture that God breathed into man and he became a living soul. And then it also says about the soul not dying, a never dying soul. Because what God creates is forever. And that soul, dear friend, is the most important thing you have. And the question is, tonight, in the glad tidings, is to where it's going to be. I was thinking about where we read, first of all, first of all in Genesis. I know we've read this before. We read it fairly recently when we were going through Genesis. When this king of Sodom just struck me again. He says to Abraham, give me the souls and take the property for thyself. He was not interested in the property. He was probably very rich. But he's interested in the souls. And you know, dear friend tonight, Satan wants you. Give me the souls. But Satan is not really interested in you as a person. His sole object is to rob God. He wants to deprive God of what was due to him. God created man for his pleasure. He created you and I for his pleasure. So that we could enjoy his fellowship. Enjoy his company. And to praise and worship him forever. Satan wanted things for himself. And therefore, from the very start, when Satan, I suppose we don't know much about the history, but Satan rebelled, didn't he? We can get hints of it in the scripture. Satan rebelled. And from that moment on, he was set against God. 
there's a battle between God and Satan. And the battleground is your soul and mine. Satan wants you so that he can add a notch, if you like, to his victory list. But he doesn't love you. He wants just to rob God. But I can tell you in the glad tidings of a wonderful saviour God who does love you. And he wants to redeem your soul. He's, he cares about you, dear friend. God so loved the world. That's what I want to preach about in the glad tidings. And I read about an incident in the life of Jesus where there was a man who had a transfer from Satan's world to God's world. And that's what I want to happen to you tonight, dear friend, in the glad tidings, that you might be transferred. This man in Luke is a picture of a soul in the captivity of Satan. And he couldn't help himself. And neither can you or I. He was utterly reliant upon Jesus. And that's the wonderful story of the gospel, dear friend. That we cannot do anything to help ourselves. We just need the touch of Jesus. But the bidding here goes out, give me the souls. (coughs) Satan wants you, you know. He wants to deprive God. He wants you to be part of his kingdom. The authority of darkness. It is darkness, dear friend. It's dark out there physically at the moment, isn't it? But it's dark morally. This country in particular, once Christian England, how dark it's become, hasn't it? So it comes to a point, you know, it says in the scripture that they call good evil an evil good. That's where we are tonight. That's not in the future, that's now, dear friend. And we are living in this world. And do you know he's called the God of this world? And many tonight are under his captivity. Bound. You know the man that we, I didn't read the the whole thing, but you know it well yourself. He couldn't be controlled, could he? And we live in an age, and especially I think in the last few years, where man is uncontrollable. There's only one that can bring him into control. One that can put his stamp on him. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who's able to, uh, to rescue, to transfer. This man in, in Luke's Gospel you know, it's just given to us as a picture. He dwelt in the tombs. What a sad picture that was. Scene of death. You know, it's funny, isn't it, that people either want to avoid talking about death all the time, or they want to talk about it all the time, or they have no hope. This man had no hope. 
at all. And there was no solution for him. But one day, Jesus came. How wonderful that is. And he was going to liberate that man. And that's what the gospel does, isn't it, dear friend, is to liberate the sinner. Because the sinner is portrayed in the scripture as someone who's bound, who's fettered. He's restricted. Really, he cannot do what he wants to do. That's the flesh, really. And yet Jesus has come to liberate, to set free. Doing what you want. People think that that's freedom, to do whatever you want. They find very quickly that that actually is bondage, isn't it? The bondage of sin. God has not designed us that we might just do whatever you want. And the only satisfaction you will find is coming under the captivity of God himself, of coming under the captivity of the Saviour, the One. He says, if the Son shall set you free, you'll be really free. That's the only true freedom, is to have to do with Jesus. He's able to set you free. Clothed and sensible. What a transformation, you know. And yet, you know, every person that's come to God in repentance and put their trust in, in, the, in the Lord Jesus has had the same transformation. No different, you know. Translated from the kingdom of darkness. It is a kingdom. And there is a king. Satan is the god of this world. And if you're not saved from your sins, if you're not a believer in Jesus, then you're under Satan's dominion. Someone said you can only serve two masters, either God or Satan. Stark choice, dear friend. Who are you serving tonight? Under whose authority do you come? Talks in the, with the scripture I read, it's the authority. Are you dominated by Satan? You know those in under the influence of the alcohol and drugs? Absolutely under the authority of it. It dominates them. It rules them. And yet they're just extreme examples. But as a sinner without a saviour, you're just as bad. You're under the domination of sin. And you're ruled by it. But Jesus has come to set us free. Wonderful news of the gospel, isn't it? Sitting clothed and sensible. Now that's what the gospel would do. It would clothe you. You, your filthy rags are taken away. Oh, even those clothes that looked all right, you know, respectable religious clothes that you might have worn, they're actually filthy rags in God's sight. But he would take away those filthy rags and he'd give you the righteousness of Christ himself, clothed with the best robe. You know, God doesn't just give some good thing, he gives the best. My beloved son, God so loved the world that he gave his only beloved son. That's the best robe. You might be tonight under the domination of Satan, Captive to the God of this world. 
clothes of sin, your own tattered righteousness. You come to Jesus. <clears throat> if you believe in him, he's able to touch you tonight, transfer you from that authority of darkness to his own kingdom, the king. I nearly read it, there's a reference in the in when uh, we probably come to it in the Acts where there was a, a tumult and they said well, there's another king, Jesus. And I can tell you tonight there is another king. Yes, you might seem that God is, uh, that Satan is ruling. You, you open the news tomorrow morning and you say that Satan is in control. But I can tell you tonight there is another king, Jesus. And he's not just another king, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Dear friend, tonight, I wonder if you have come under his subjection. He was clothed and sensible. You know, without Christ, uh, there is no sense at all, actually. You look at the governments of the world, you look at politics, all the solutions they come up with, it doesn't make any sense, does it? as a believer in Jesus, you know, you can be clothed and sensible. We have a different view on things, don't we? Because we know that our hope is not in the tombs, it's rather in a man who's risen from the dead and is crowned with glory and honour. What a saviour he is. But I just want to say something about what it cost him. I said about the soul, your soul and mine. Wonderful scripture in Psalm 49. The redemption of the soul is costly. I'm sure I've preached about this before here. doesn't matter, because it's a wonderful truth, isn't it? None by any means can redeem his brother. You can't do anything for your brother or sister. You need a personal transaction with Jesus yourself. You need to come to him yourself. The redemption of the soul is costly. How much do you put a value on your soul? I said at the beginning it's a never dying soul. Do you know anything else that, lives, that goes on forever? Anything material is going to be burnt up. But you have a never dying soul. So that must be very precious. So what is the cost to redeem it? To bring it back? <clears throat> the cost was God's beloved son. <clears throat> you know, the soul, I was thinking about this this morning, what is the soul? It's really the real you, isn't it? See, the body is just the frame, the flesh and bones, but the soul is, is who you are. Yourself. And that lives forever. I nearly read in Isaiah 53, but I thought, well, we better stop. But Isaiah 53, it says, he shall offer his soul an offering for sin. What does that mean? I just said, it's the real person, it's him. It's your soul is you, yourself. It says of Jesus, Paul says, 
He loved the Son of God who loved me and gave himself. That's the point. He shall offer his soul, an offering for sin, it says in Isaiah 53. Himself, the real person. Who is that? It's Jesus himself. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Himself. What a cost that was, dear friend. I can't begin to count it. We will spend all eternity marvelling at the cost to save you and me. The redemption of the soul is costly and it's given up forever. To me that means it can't be reversed. You know the price that Jesus paid and what he did is irreversible for you and for me. Can't be undone and it lasts forever. If you trust in him, dear friend, tonight, you'll never be lost. Some say you can be. I think that's a detriment to the work of Christ. Once you put your trust in him, you're safe for now, time and safe for eternity. That doesn't mean that government and, and chastisement doesn't come in. We read of it this afternoon. Two believers who sinned grievously and God dealt with them. But once you put your trust in Jesus and own that he died for you, shed his precious blood to save you, to redeem you, then that work lasts forever. Under the blood. I wonder if tonight you can say you're under the blood. Sheltering, we used to hear about it, don't hear about it so much. Sheltering under the blood. I think I've said this before, but I remember when I was a lad going up to Trafalgar Square and there was a young, there was a preacher called Louis Palau. Some of you might have heard of him. And the Trafalgar Square was filled with people. It was packed actually. And it started to rain. And he said, you're all sheltering under your umbrellas right now. But he said, are you sheltering under the precious blood of Jesus? And it echoed round Trafalgar Square. Well, tonight I ask you the same question. Are you sheltering under the precious blood of Jesus? You know, if you do, then you're safe. Safe in the arms of Jesus. It must be given up forever. You know, it's the price is so great. And yet, dear friend, it's available for you and for me. <clears throat> I nearly read in Mark 2. I just didn't know where to stop, actually. I nearly read about the, what, what the Jesus says. He says, What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world? The whole world. And loses his soul. It's a challenge, isn't it? What price do we put on eternity? What it says, and in fact, the Lord Jesus goes on in, in that particular passage in Mark to say, what should he give in exchange? What would you actually give that you might have eternal life? What would, you, what would a man give in exchange for his soul? point of the gospel, dear friend, is you can't give anything. 
Jesus has given himself. Uh, all we can do in return is to give him our heart. That's what the carol says, is it? If I were a rich man, I'd do this. But what can I do? I can just give you my heart. And that's what God is asking for. That's what Jesus is asking for tonight in the glad tidings, that you might give him your heart. The world goes on. And it's interesting, again, there's another scripture I didn't read. But at the end of the Bible, in Revelation 18, the picture there of the merchants, and they're all dismayed. The end of time this is, just before God comes in, before Jesus comes back to earth. This is the merchants there, and they were dealing on all this stuff, weren't they? It says laden of wool, and I didn't read it. I won't read it now, but and at the end of it, it says, and the souls of men. Trading with men. And you know, that's what people are doing today, trading with souls. But dear friend, God is interested in your soul. Yes, Satan is interested in robbing God. But dear friend, the wonderful thing is in the glad tidings is that God loves you and wants to bring you into his kingdom. Just as the man, you know, <clears throat> in, in Luke's gospel, he was brought into the kingdom of the son of his love. I think that's a wonderful scripture that, you know, from the authority of darkness, and we have to be honest, we live in that world, and we, we see it all around us, the kingdom of darkness. And if you're not believing in Jesus, if you don't belong to him, you're in that kingdom of darkness. But the gospel goes out that you might believe in him. Put your trust in what Jesus did on the cross. That when he, he made his soul an offering for sin. He didn't need to die for himself because the Lord Jesus was without sin. But he says he made his soul an offering for sin. And what was the answer? It was, uh, came out in blessing. And dear friend tonight, if you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ your saviour, then you will be translated into the kingdom of the son of his love. A kingdom where Jesus is supreme and we are wonderful. We're brought into that as subjects and we're glad and happy to be subjects of that kingdom, aren't we? Because we know the one that's the king is the very one that suffered and died for us. And what a saviour. The kingdom of the son of his love. It's a, it's a kingdom of love. The world talks about love and they don't know what they're talking about. It's rubbish. But God's love is real. The world really is full of hate, isn't it? We see that every day. Hate. But you can be liberated from all of that tonight by trusting in the blessed Saviour and being transferred and trans or translated into the kingdom of the Son of his love. God ever loved Jesus, this is my beloved Son. How pleasurable Jesus was to God. How satisfied he was. And yet, you know, as you come into that kingdom, God can rest his love upon you too. And you can be precious. Jesus was ever precious to God. But as you are brought into that kingdom, we become precious too. 
How wonderful that is. May you tonight, dear friend, have to do with the blessed Saviour. You may say, well, I can't do anything. Well, this man couldn't do anything. But he had the touch of Jesus and he was never the same. May you experience that for yourself tonight, if not never before, and can be, come into this wonderful kingdom forever and ever. For his name's sake. Amen.